Welcome back to Brackets, Bubbles, and Bid Stealers. I am the host of the show, Sam Fetterman, and my co-host, Jonathan Litskin, is right here, and we are going to talk St. John's basketball. Thomas Cavanaugh is joining us. Thomas, introduce yourself to the people who a lot of them probably have seen your stuff. Uh, well, thank you, Sam. So I'm Thomas Cavanaugh. I currently write for Rumble in the Garden, one of the blogs on SB Nation, which focuses on St. John's athletics. Currently, we are in the process of writing a little bit of a non-conference preview. So just yesterday, we just published a preview piece on the reigning NIT champions, North Texas, who St. John's will face in the Charleston Classic. But uh, of course, happy to be here, Sam, and talk about the Johnnies. Yeah, and we'll talk about that non-conference schedule because Rick Pitino has stacked the non-conference schedule with a bunch of really fun matchups and a bunch of also less fun matchups. Um, but before that, Rick Pitino is the coach of St. John's. Like, talk about just how big of an upgrade that can be from Mike Anderson. Uh, you're probably going to be underselling it a little bit. I mean, all due respect to Mike Anderson, he's had a very solid resume as a head coach, whether it was at UAB, Missouri, or Arkansas, but those results were just not there at St. John's. No tournament appearances in his four years there. The program looked a little bit rudderless last year. There wasn't really any kind of offensive system in play. There was a lot of behind-the-scenes drama a little bit, of course, uh, with Andre Curbelo. Um and that you know, Southern they, Miss, by the way, Southern sorry? Miss. Yes, Southern we Miss. Earlier. <laughs> um, yeah, so there, there was just just so much like discord in between in terms of uh, just the offensive system, the players that meshed together. There wasn't really any three point shooting on that team, notoriously, and uh, change was necessitated. It was spearheaded by University President uh, Father Brian Shanley, who was two years ago came from Providence. And I remember during the introductory press conference that Rick Pitino, I think he joked that like, um, or Brian Shanley, I think he joked that uh, he probably wouldn't have hired Rick Pitino if he wasn't a former Providence friar or like some kind of half joking sense like that. Anyway, weird tangent. Um, but anyway, that's like this 35th weirdest tangent we've been on in the last hour. Oh, good. Um, so complete roster overhaul. It's probably easier to name all the players that have returned this year, which are Joel Soriano and Drissa Traore, than all of the brand new players on this team. It's going to take some time to get used to uh, with all these new players together. A lot of talented players, a lot of underrated gets as well in the portal, but they should really be in line for an NCAA tournament bid come March. Yeah. Did you use the term gutless? Gutless. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good way to describe what St. John's basketball has I, been like. I, wasn't, I didn't say gutless, but I just said rudderless. Like they oh, just had no direction. direction. That makes sense. But gutless is another way. It just felt like they just did things. They didn't really have any motive to do anything. Just things happened. The games were played because they were on the schedule, not because they actually like cared to game plan. And, you know, it really did feel like that. But there were times where they just had absolute moments of brilliance out of just for no random reason whatsoever, like your talent befuddles me that they beat UConn by double digits on the road last year um, of all years to do it. Um, so again, that was just kind of part and parcel with the Mike Anderson years where they just kind of look directionless for most of the season, but maybe one random night they can spark 40 minutes of brilliance out of nowhere and then not replicate that later on in the season. Yeah, I remember they beat Providence too. And that entire second half, I was like, 
everybody needs to bet Providence money line here because there's no way that St. John's holds on and wins this game. And they won the game. I, I was commentating that game for WSJU radio. And I think when even the, when the final buzzer sounded, I was in disbelief that they even won. It really felt like they just got themselves in the position and the clock just ran out. Simple as that. Yeah. Honestly, that that's kind of what St. John's games felt like. It didn't really feel like there was anything happening. It was just actually it felt like everything was happening. But it was just like the games were played because they were on the schedule. The games were won and lost because one team had more points than the other at the end of time. There was not really a deeper level of analysis that really went on with St. John's. Like it was pretty simple. Team was talented. They coached, they were coached poorly. They didn't really have an identity. Their offense didn't have any sort of movement. They didn't have shooting. AJ Store was brilliant, but he was a freshman and he made freshman moments too. And I think he's going to be all Big Ten at Wisconsin. That is one of my things. And I don't know if we're going to have a Wisconsin preview, but I know we'll have a Big Ten preview and I'll mention him. But yeah, I think I think a lot of St. John's fans wanted to keep AJ Store, but I think they're pleased with the way the roster came out at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, myself included, I really believe that A.J. Store is going to be a fantastic player in Greg Gard's system as a three-point threat as well. He's also flashed some great athleticism when he attacks the basket. Um, but for whatever reason, whether it was from the behind-the-scenes practices that Rick Pitino held uh, with A.J. Store, I believe right before the uh, spring semester ended, I guess he just didn't feel like it was a right fit in whatever way it was. Um but nonetheless, you said it right there that they brought in a complete overhauled roster. And I don't think many fans are really going to be complaining about any of the players that they brought in. Um, specifically, guys like Glenn Taylor Jr., RJ Luis, who has showed so much promise at UMass last year. I'm very high on if, you know, he can really live up to that potential at the Power 5 or Power 6 level, um, you know, players like that, but it really feels like Naheem Aline, who is a bit more of a guard, you, you probably say a little bit in terms of his size at six foot four, he can still play like a wing. He can be a great three-point option from beyond the arc if he can just find that form that he had again when he was at Virginia Tech. Uh, but again, I could just go all the way down the list. It's like a laundry list of really solid players that they all make sense into what Rick Pitino wants to do. Yeah, and these are guys that have real, real quick. Time, I want to jump in here. I want to go back to Rick Pitino for a second because you, you go from Mike Anderson to Rick Pitino, who's one of the best coaches in the country still. And one of the things that Rick does so well is just the way he uses timeouts and manages a game. Do you expect the the game management to be the biggest difference in how St. John's looks this year? Oh, it's going to be night and day. It's really going to be night and day. There were times, I believe, during the all-access game, if you saw between Xavier and St. John's, where it just looked like two different weight classes out there with Sean Miller and Mike Anderson at St. John's. I believe, like, with Rick Pitino, he's going to have a lot of energy out there. Um, I know he said it in some interviews with the New York Post that even though he might be 71 years old, um, he could probably coach until he's 80. Um or maybe that was one of the assistant coaches, but uh, it really just speaks to the level of determination that he has in terms of fulfilling the duties that he wants to bring to St. John's. Um, I'm really looking forward to what he can really do in terms of that defensive system that he has, that press defense. Um, 
I know a lot of St. John's fans, they're a bit used to that high-paced system that Mike Anderson ran where they he promised maybe 40 minutes of hell, but it wasn't really 40 minutes of hell. There wasn't much defensive. Uh, that is That should not be kicking my ass right there. Consistency. There was not much defensive consistency out there. And uh, you could really tell there were some stretches where they just look porous out there. With Rick Pitino, it really does feel like they're going to have much more control of the game. I mean, I noticed when Rick Pitino in some of his old games, he would apply a press, but he wouldn't do it just to look to force a turnover or anything. He, wanna, he would want to whittle down the shot clock to like 15 seconds out there and really control the tempo in that half-court setting. I'm going to really look forward to that and seeing that potentially be applied here in Queens. Yeah, I mean, like the thing about Mike Anderson's system, the, the St. John's was basketball in the passive voice. The game happened to them. It was like the schedule said they would play. They went on the court. They ran a lot, but like they didn't do all that much. This And whatever happened at the end of the day, the scoreboard would show usually fewer points for St. John's. And it was just like there was no structure, no organization. And then you get the organization guy in terms of Rick Pitino. Let's also talk about some of the players because a lot of these guys, another thing you mentioned, these guys are winning basketball players. They come from a bunch of them come from some winning programs, national champions on this team, a whole bunch of guys that won conferences and have made tournaments and have played for good for good coaches, even if they haven't made tournaments. Um, I mean, start with I mean, obviously Soriano's the main man returning. But let's start with the backcourt for this team. Adanis Jenkins and Jordan Dingle backcourt. It's one. It's going to be one of the best in the country. It's going to be best pending Danis Jenkins's uh, waiver, of course. He graduated. It said on. It says on the website. Graduated. Yeah, we uh, still haven't gotten a full confirmation yet. But either way, if Danis Jenkins is eligible next year, immediately eligible. Uh, he's really going to be a very calming presence out there at point guard. I believe it would also benefit Jordan Dingle out there as well as someone who would want to shoot the rock like 40 times uh, for the St. John's team. And he does that really great efficiency. If you saw last year at Penn um, and then you have perhaps an embarrassment of riches at well, as well at the guard position, when you factor in that they will have a top 40 guard coming off the bench potentially if Dennis Jenkins is eligible with Simeon Wiltshire, the local product out of Roselle Catholic in New Jersey. Uh, and everything that people said about him and the reputation he's built at New Jersey high school basketball as a winning point guard who is probably nauseous at the thought of losing and what he does out there in terms of shooting ball, uh, making plays for his teammates or handling it himself. He just ticks all of the boxes out there, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him play and potentially putting it together and getting a full season in the starting lineup, whether that might be this year or it might be next year. Yeah. Thomas, um, Thomas I real quick want to ask you about Joel Soriano because, as you mentioned earlier, he's one of the two players from last year's team that uh, Rick Patino brought back. What do you think that says about him and just his overall basketball ability – that they completely gutted the roster, and yet he's still going to start and be a huge piece on this team. Well, if I if I can start, the first press conference that Rick Pitino gave, in that first press conference, he said Joel Soriano is going to be the captain 
of the basketball team. I think that says just as much as anything else, really. Yeah, and Joel Soriano was the lone player that Rick Pitino invited uh, to that press conference. And I believe it was a very intentional decision being able to show that, you know, we have a Big East player right here at home already. And Joel Soriano proved that last year amidst all of the turmoil and inconsistency. He was the one that came out and was a constant offensive threat out there. You know, he averaged a double-double, 15 points, 11 rebounds, I believe, last year. And he had like 25 double-doubles. Um, I don't think he's going to have that level of, con- of production this year, um, especially with the amount of names that are brought in. Um, but I do think that with guys like Dennis Jenkins out there, uh, Jordan Dingle, these three-point shooters out there, you're going to see a much wider floor space out there for Joel Soriano to operate. And I also believe that with the addition of Chris Ledlam into the mix – as a bit of a front court pairing with him, that's also going to take some of the rebounding burden off of him as well. Because Chris Ledlam, while he might be listed as six foot six, uh, he play he plays well above his height, um, and you kind of see that with his wide receiver background that he had when he played high school football at St. Peter's Prep uh, in Staten Island. That uh, you know he has that kind of vertical ability where he can just go up and just grab the ball uh, over some potentially tall defenders as well. Uh, I, I believe, you know, with the way the roster is set up, it's going to be set up to give Joel Soriano the best shot of success that he's had here at St. John's. Yeah, I mean, yeah just, to add real quick to, um, just to add real quick to your point, I write for a Tennessee site at Sports Illustrated, so I'm very familiar with Chris Ludlam. I watched him play a bunch when he was committed to Tennessee, and my thoughts on him are pretty much identical to yours. Like, he was – as close as you can get to a Grant Williams type player at Tennessee, just with his ability to rebound and him being undersized, but still athletic. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. And I like what they brought in there. And another thing that I noticed, I didn't watch St. John's maybe as intentionally as you did Thomas, but something I noticed is that Joel Seriano was hanging out in no man's land a lot on offense. It was Mm -hmm. a lot like in between the elbow and the three point line for no reason whatsoever. I noticed it when they played Niagara and when they played UConn, the two games that I went to and all the games that I watched on TV. I mean, that was the, the, the scheme was non-existent. He would set a pick and he would just stand there. And I think it was eating at him that like he couldn't, he couldn't go into the low post as much as he wanted to. And I think this year he's had so much more freedom to do that because they have more screeners, more ball handlers that actually know how to handle the ball and shoot and more guys that can get him the ball consistently. Yeah, and you just said it right there, you know, you got, I, of course, I just mentioned Joel, uh, Jordan Dingle and Danish Jenkins, Simeon Wilcher as well. Uh, but, you know, Joel Soriano, he's also been working on his three-point shot uh, this offseason too as well. Um, there was a whole piece in the New York Post, shout out to uh, Zach Braziller and his work there. And he spoke with Rick Pitino about how he's working with Joel Soriano to develop that deep range shot. And if you watch St. John's basketball uh, last year, you did notice that Joel Soriano took some very deep mid-range shots, and he made some of them with regularity. Um, it's not like he wasn't like a push-off out there back there. You know, he kept defenses honest when, say, he set a pick and rolled outside or faded outside, and he just hit a mid-range shot out there. So maybe he takes a couple steps back behind the three-point line, and the offense is just going to completely open up if Joel Soriano is just 
even an average three-point shooter, even just a smidge below average too as well. Yeah, the thing about that, I'm not 100% sure I believe in his movement skills in space to make that happen. I think he's a great small area mover. I mean, you have to be a great small area mover to be as good of a rebounder as he is. And what, he's the best rebounder in the Big East. I mean, he led the conference in boards. He was unbelievable in the low post. But I do think I do have questions in terms of him becoming a shooting threat. Now, if he can make one every couple games or maybe even like a half of three a game, like not like do what Sonogo, do what Sonogo did last year. Fine. That works. I mean, Sonogo's three point shot took an, it took an 1800s army musket to load and fire. It took for, it took forever to fire, but you know what? You had to worry about it at least a little bit. And if you didn't worry about it, then he was going to make a shot. And if you can do that with Soriano, then you're looking at so much better spacing. Then again, I don't think you need that. If you're Soriano. I think the key to this team is the fact that the other guys are going to be able to shoot. The fact that Danis Jenkins is a three-point shooter. Jordan Dingle is a three-point shooter. Those guys are playmakers, too. And there's also winning players that we haven't mentioned, like Cruz Davis was a contributor on a winning Iona team. Zubia Giafor was um, was with Bill Self. I mean, this is a guy that he's probably not going to play a ton, but he was with Bill Self. He knows what it's like to play for a coach like Patino. Um, obviously, Glenn Taylor and RJ Luis haven't played for – programs like that but i mean chris ledlam played for tommy emaker who's who's been in this who's been at this level before and he's coached high level players and i mean it's not like frank martin hasn't coached high level players before and obviously naheem Aline is a national champion there's a lot of winning pedigree here there's a lot of guys that can help joel sorry joel soriano become a more effective post scorer and even a more effective three-point shooter yeah, and, you know, you see that Zuby for the star-studded, well, at least he was a top 40 prospect uh, when he came into Kansas last year. Didn't really play that many minutes, but we all know with how Bill Self plays freshman bigs or freshman in that kind of regard as well. Um, but in the minutes that he showed, especially against Indiana, I really loved his verticality out there and his ability to just get to the basket. Um, and... From what I've heard from practices is that Zuby Ejiofor and Joel Soriano, they've just been going back and forth right there. Um, and it's just been an amazing clash uh, when it gets into those practices inside Tafner Fieldhouse on the campus of St. John's. But, you know, you said it, there is just a wide variety of backgrounds on this team of players who have generally had experience, if there was a common thread here, of being a top option at their previous, uh, you know, landing space. Uh, you know, Glenn Taylor, he was probably not very efficient at Oregon State, but he was, you know, responsible for a good chunk of the offense there at Oregon State. Um, Naheem Aline, he was a bit of a, of course, you mentioned it, national champion there, but he also was able to take a smaller role there and was willing to take that role on a very, very deep UConn team. RJ Luis, as I mentioned, Sean Conway was a big option at VMI as well. Um, Cruz Davis, he was playing in the backcourt. So you said it, there is a wide variety of experience on this team. But I do think the challenge here for Rick Patino is being able to manage those expectations for all of his players with that in mind. Uh, when you bring in guys from all these different stops who have expected to be either number one, number two, or number three option on their team, and now you're asking them, well, can you probably be the third or fourth man coming off the bench? 
that might cause some problems. So it's just going to come up to how Rick Pitino and his staff can kind of manage those expectations and foster a bit of a culture and a bit of a buy-in uh, for all the players on this team. If things do kind of go sideways and St. John's doesn't play to expectations, is the fact that like they brought in so many former number one options at their school, do you think that would would be the cause of that? I think the problem that could face St. John's or might doom this season is just a lack of cohesion and a really, I guess, just being unable to get the system and get the familiarity of the system that Rick Pitino has. I mean, if you want to say that guys like Cruz Davis, uh, Danish Jenkins, and Sidiko Abineayo, all of those guys who get the system, you know, those are still, there's still like 11 other players on the roster who still need time to learn it. Um, and with the way the Big East is this year with Georgetown back in the fold rebuilding, um, they might not be a to- an NCAA tournament team, but they should definitely be competitive from day one with Ed Cooley there. Uh, you have reigning champions, UConn, Creighton, who you can probably make the case that they could be as good as they are last year, even though they lost Ryan Nemhard and Arthur Kaluma. Just the addition of Stephen Ashworth into the mix there probably brings them up back to that level that they had last year. Probably better than last year Mm. in terms of everything. They have so much development going on. I think Trey Alexander is a lottery pick. I'm going to say that a million times before the season starts. I'm going to say it in my Creighton preview. I'm going to say it in the Big East preview. I'm going to find any time to say Trey Alexander's a lottery pick. Uh, I think it's a little bold for my taste, but I do think that Trey Alexander, uh, he definitely has uh, all Big East potential this season. Uh, You can always go down the list. Villanova, top 25 team in terms of talent alone. Um, I I think just that backwards is going to be insane. Um, Providence is good too, Marquette. Xavier, Providence. Marquette, I could go through all the lists. So my biggest concern is here is that how will St. John's respond during the Big East season when they're not really going to have any nights off except maybe if they play Butler or DePaul. Um, Butler's probably going to be solid too. They're going to be probably they're probably going to be solid too as well. Year two is that matter? That's not a bad thing. Seton Hall is kind of bad. They don't really have any scoring. DePaul stinks. Yeah, but with the Shaheen Holloway and his yeah. system, I feel like that raises the floor a little bit. Yeah, for, you know, they're going to play some. Not Seton Hall's not a night off, but it's yeah. it should be a win. Because at least at Seton Hall, like you go play Seton Hall, yeah. and like you know you're going to have to work to score. Yeah, it's a war, but and, you're going to come out on top. And there's always going to be, and like every time St. John's plays Seton Hall, something nutty happens. You know, it, it's a definite at this point. So I wouldn't really put it past them to potentially upsetting St. John's this year. Um, So you go all the way down the list of the Big East teams that you could say, yeah, they've improved this year. I think that's going to be the biggest threat to any hopes of St. John's getting an NCAA tournament bid. It probably won't be the non-conference schedule. I mean, if of course, if they have trouble with this non-conference schedule, the way it's set up, yeah, they definitely should miss the NCAA tournament if they can't make it up for it in the Big East Conference. Um, but I do think that ultimately the one thing that is going to decide whether or not St. John's is going to be on the right side or the wrong side of Selection Sunday is being able to learn the system at hand with Rick Pitino and the defensive pressure that he expects 
and the kind of offense that he wants to operate as well with Joel Soriano kind of out there as the man in the middle. Yeah, and I think I think all of us would probably say St. John's is a borderline top 25 team. Would you agree with that? I mean, I believe, you know, they're probably going to be getting a lot of top 25 consideration. There's a lot of hype out there as well. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll like, as we get closer to November, like when I see teams like Michigan start to add, you know, they just got in this Argentinian international prospect, Leah Leah, um, all these different teams that as we lead up to the season, they could definitely make cases for the top 25. I'll say St. John's. I'll be very bipartisan here. I'll say they're going to be probably top 30-ish, you know, leading into the season. I know AP top 25 poll. They don't do top this, 30. Is this, some, is, is this like some of the Mets fanitis of like you, that's you don't probably, believe it until you see it? That's probably the cautious optimism that I live with with the Mets. Yeah, I, so I, I it, get that. It's, it, leeches, I mean, it leeches between the Queens-based teams. It, it really does because it, it's such a it's such a Mets fan like it, it's a staple of Mets fandom to be like just so nervous about every possible thing that could go wrong. I'm sure you stay up all night thinking about every single potential injury oh, that the St. John's team could have. Of course. Like, well, of course. Stepping, stepping back a row in a lecture hall. Oh, of course. Of an course. Ankle. It's uh, yeah, it could be uh, it's easier to let pessimism set in after the last 20 years, but in any case, if we do want to entertain the thought that maybe St. John's disappoints this year and they miss the NCAA tournament, I'm going to have the same response that I do as a Mets fan in the year of 2023, seeing everything that happened. It's going to be disappointing, but you're confident that they have the right system in place, the right people in charge here to lead them back to the promised land um, in the same way that Steve Cohen is up there with the Mets and the amount of prospects that he brought in at the deadline. Probably different circumstances. Bought at the deadline. Yes. Very different circumstances. The, on, the only team to ever buy the only team to ever buy at the deadline, but trade their two best pitchers. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Basically, that's a very nice way to put it. But uh, you know, it that that sentiment kind of exists here where it, even if St. John's we come back here in March and say, well, they're not in the NCAA tournament. I think St. John's fans, of course, they're going to be clearly irked because they expect Rick Pitino to lead this team to the NCAA tournament. They will still sit back and say, well, we have the right people in charge. And, yeah. you know, this is probably going to take two, three years. It's not going to be Rome wasn't built in one day kind of uh, situation here. Um, and you can obviously see it so over the past 20 years of St. John's basketball. Yeah, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, but a college basketball team can be built in a day in the era of the transfer portal. And I do think that this is a team that should make the NCAA tournament based on their talent and their coaching. Obviously, there were multiple teams in my top 25 that didn't make the NCAA tournament last year. North Carolina and Florida being the – and Dayton too, St. Louis being like the big notable standouts there. Yeah. But like – this is one of the – this is a talented team with great coaching. And let's take a look at the non-conference schedule. Some interesting games to look at. Michigan is a is a really notable game. I mean, it's the first time they'll play a high-major opponent. You'll get to see Chris Ledlam in a positional matchup with Olivier Kamwa. Oh, that's going to be – that's going to be Hollywood right there. 
Um, and this is Jawan Howard against Rick Pitino, which is a coaching mismatch. For the ages. Of the ages. But I have to say, though, the talent up there with Nakamwa and, you know, Doug Ledlam McDaniel. out there, Soriano against Terrace Reed Jr. Doug McDaniel. Doug McDaniel, McDaniel trying to outshoot Jordan Dingle. It's, I'm going to say this. I'm going to get out in front of it. This is going to be one of the early highlights of next the next college basketball season, just the spectacle of St. John's against Michigan at the Garden itself, will just be alone the price. Will will alone be worth the price of admission. November thirteenth at Madison Square Garden, the first game at Madison Square Garden of the tenure for Rick Pitino. Let's take a look at the Charleston Classic bracket now, because this is a fun. Actually, has the bracket come out? It has. Yeah, it has. It has. and. In the first round, they're going to play North Texas. Second round, they'll probably play – they're going to play either Dayton or LSU. And Probably ends up being Dayton there, but – That's probably a closer game than most people. Yes. Think. Uh, I mean, Dayton, Dayton will muck up a game. LSU is – They, honestly, I don't, they I have, have, no they have some problems to dig through with. with uh, I have no idea what to two. expect with LSU. But at the end of the day, St. John's is the best team in the top of this bracket. Houston is the best team in the bottom of this bracket. But at the end of the day, if this this tournament could end up with one tournament team, it could, could end up with four. Could, but, you know. It, hell, it could. It, this tournament could end up with five tournament teams. It could. There's a, there's a very wide range here, but I would sharpen Houston in as one of those NCAA tournament teams. One of the yeah. – very, very hot take that I have right there. Yeah, I think, Houston, hot. I think Houston's definitely a tournament team. I think Wake could be a tournament team. I love um, the idea of bringing in Hunter Salas. I think he's a really – he's a guard that's going to have a big breakout year. I think St. John's could obviously be a tournament team. Dayton's one of the best teams in the A-10. Towson is one of the best teams in the CAA. And North Texas is a really competitive American Conference team under Ross Hodge. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a very interesting field that it's really going to – it's just looking from top to bottom, it's like every game is going to be an extremely entertaining affair. Um, I, I think so. It's just the way the bracket is filled out, it really feels like it's going to come to a head with St. John's in Houston on that Sunday evening in Charleston. Um, of course, I'm going to lean with Houston here in a very early – uh, prediction, but there's a chance where St. John's, they might not even need to run into Houston if, say, Houston, they get landmined in one of these neutral non-conference games. Weirder things have happened here. Hey, that'll, um, that'll be a heavy Wake Forest crowd. Mm. I think. Do they have fans? Do they have <laughs> fans in, uh, in the low country of South Carolina? I mean, it's, it's I mean, like, what, a four-hour drive from... A little from- bit. I, I think there should be a very... Big uh, contingent of Wake Forest fans coming down. There's, there's, there, I, I think there's going to be a pretty healthy St. John's contingent there. I, I also say LSU too as well. I mean, I don't know LSU, how many LSU fans would LSU fans travel to. They would travel to Alaska. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure there were a ton of LSU fans at Dylan Cruz's first A ball game. <laughs> like the LS, LSU fans will travel anywhere for anything if drinks are involved. Thomas, any, thought, any thoughts on uh, the game at West Virginia? There's th- These are two teams that 
Obviously, you're going to have a ton of new pieces. And maybe a storyline game. Storyline game. Steve uh, Masiello yeah. versus Jose Perez. The Quinn Slazinski Bowl right here in West Virginia. It's. Uh, I think this might be a game where we see everything that West Virginia has gone through. Uh, you know, Josh Eilert in his first year at West Virginia, he's gotten a very raw deal of, you know, having to re-recruit all the players on this year's roster. And he's even brought in a couple of nice pieces as well. Coca Cook, uh, Quince Lazinski from St. John's, as I just mentioned. Uh, this might be a game where West Virginia, they might take one here. I don't know. I mean, I mean yeah, just West going Virginia into West, West Virginia Coliseum, like, of course, with neutral court, I'll probably take St. John's, but the atmosphere in Morgantown there, it's one of the best home court advantages that you'll probably find the Big 12 in a conference full of great home court advantages. Yeah. And I'm sure the fans there, you know, I don't know if, when finals week starts for West Virginia, whether this might be the week before or not, but I'm it's, sure the students are going to be December, so. the students are going to be giving it all they got when they hear that Rick Pitino's coming to town. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it can't, it can't get any more entertaining than St. John's West Virginia there. An old biggies battle, Kirk Creesa against the St. John's press. Ooh. I think, I think that's how the game would end up going though. That's how, St. John's ends up winning the game because I don't trust Kirk Reese to handle that pressure. Over under right here of half technical fouls given to Kirk Reese in that game. Ooh, I think I'll take the over. All right. Honestly, um, yeah, I take the over. Odds there, it's probably like a plus 500 on over. All right. So I'll take that. Now, the question would Good be value in a game that you know he's getting pressed. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. That okay. I accidentally clicked spacebar, but um, but the question would be that that's a fun big man matchup too. That's a really really strong guy in Joel Soriano against another strong guy, but another incredible rim protector in Jesse Edwards. Mm. I don't I don't know if West Virginia has enough perimeter defense though. In terms of it's just not the perimeter defense is just not as good as it could be. Um. I don't think Kirk Risa is an excellent defender. I don't think Jose Perez is an excellent defender. Um, and if Raekwon Battle ends up getting his waiver, that's obviously a big deal. But again, he's a lot more of a on-ball scorer than a great defender. He can defend, too. That was a feisty Montana State team that was yeah. super fun to watch. And I actually picked them to beat Kansas State. Um, but the idea here is you're getting a really f- interesting non-conference road game and then you have the two games against the New York area opponents, Fordham and Hofstra, mm. two good teams, both borderline top 100 teams, in my opinion, really well coached, um, Keith Ergo and Speedy Claxton. St. John's shouldn't have a problem, no, but, but yeah, but. I think, I think Hofstra, you're playing on Long Island at UBS arena. I know this is, it's going to be, of course, it's going to be a bigger St. John's crowd, but uh, I mean, the way Hofstra is built, you know, you know, you lose Aaron Estrada, but you still bring back some of the key pieces from last year. The team, the same team that beat Rutgers at the rack. Um, I don't know. Estrada fouled out. Aaron Estrada fouled out in that game too. Yeah, and they 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 went into the rack, and yeah, it it wasn't. Rutgers didn't really feel the same in that game, but still, it was an impressive victory for Hofstra and Hofstra is a good team. And I think everyone can acknowledge that those games won't be gimmies. 
even though they should end in wins. I mean, they're they St. John's should escape non-conference play with no more than two or three losses. Yeah, I would agree. I would say I know some fans have predicted eight and three. It, but those losses, you know, whether they might be against Michigan, West Virginia, Houston, if you were to pick them, you know, I'm a little bit worried. You know, I'm worried if Michigan or West Virginia, West Virginia, those two losses, they could rear their head on their resume sometime in March. So, you know, you kind of have to hope that Saint, if you're a St. John's fan that they finish at least 500 or have a winning record in the Big East in order to make up for that. Yeah, I mean, and I think that there is a chance that they go ten and ten or eleven and nine because that's probably the that's probably the outcome that we get something like eleven and nine. Mm. That's probably going to get you fifth or sixth in the league, and it's a talented league from top to bottom. Really, it's probably it, it's probably top to bottom one of the best two leagues in the country with the um, with the Big Twelve. And honestly, top to bottom, the Big 12 is a little bit weaker this year because, I mean, UCF and BYU. They kind of dilute it a little bit. <laughs> Jonathan and I have spoken about those teams and how just hilarious their rosters look for a Big 12. Oh, but Marcus Adams is going to BYU. Now, will he play? Will he play? Third, third school third in three school. months. Yeah. All right, so... Is there are there any other things that you would like to add before? Um, I'm just gonna say this is gonna be a very entertaining year. Whether you know if just on the court, off the court for St. John's, you know, just the level of engagement that the fan base has given. There's been many people, many alumni who have pledged to come back to a St. John's game, whether it is you know at the Garden or you know, at Carnesecca Arena, there's more collectives now. I just learned the other day that uh, St. John's alum, Meta World Peace, he's uh, created his own NIL collective for St. John's. Wow. Uh, Johnny's Collective. So there, There's uh, a ton of energy around this program. And I will say, of energy. In, terms of, in terms of a program with the best positive energy from this offseason, the best momentum from this offseason, it's hard to beat St. John's, really. I mean, you, you're looking at one of the – you're looking at hiring one of the best coaches in the history of this sport to come and bring in a whole new roster. I mean, outside of, like, UConn, who just won the national championship, I don't really know if there's a program with more momentum. Yeah, they're riding – I mean, fans are on cloud nine, you know, and – you know, these next couple of months, it's just it, every day is just going to feel 10 times longer when you get to that first week in November, waiting on that first week in November. But, you know, I think for a lot of St. John's fans, reasonable expectation, and I agree here, reach the NCAA tournament. And if you potentially can, get the monkey off your back and get a NCAA tournament win. Uh, the last time they won it was in 2000, and I was not even born yet, and I just graduated in May, so it's been a long time coming. Yeah, and I think that's a very reasonable expectation. Say, I, I, I think that hey, saying win a tournament game, you have to see the matchup first, but this should be a team that should get a six, seven, eight seed in in the NCAA tournament. This should be 
a team that is comfortably in the tournament by this by that first week in March. And well, if it doesn't happen, I it's possible, but I honestly think that there's a lot of upward mobility potential here with just how talented the roster is and how good the coach is. And I think, uh, go ahead, Jonathan. Sorry. No, you're, you're good. Go for it. Oh yeah. I was about to say too, you know, the 2024 class in the local area is boundless potential around here. If St. John's they're in the running for a bunch of different players, uh, not exactly sure how many of them they are even favorites for, but you know, if they can just get a couple of those, at least maybe one of those guys, it could really be program changing. Um, but it, these next few years for St. John's basketball fans is going to be like cloud nine. Um, sorry, Jonathan, I cut you off. No, you're good. I was just going to kind of add on to what you guys have been saying. The momentum is just incredible. And I think overall that if this team can piece it together early with the coaching they have, they could maybe be as good as anyone in the Big East. Yeah, no doubt in my mind that there's upside for this to be one of the best teams, not just in the Big East, but in all of college basketball. If we're looking up in February and St. John's has one digit next to their name, I don't think I'd be terribly shocked. But if, I wouldn't. I also wouldn't be shocked if they had no digits next to their name. <laughs> there's a ton of questions that can be asked. I mean, every single college basketball team, you have to ask a ton of questions every offseason. But St. John's for the first time in a long time, has answered them, not just not just answered them well, but answered them at all. There's a legit roster, roster construction here. They haven't had roster construction under Mike Anderson. They haven't played anybody under Mike Anderson. They're still not playing a ton of teams, but they're playing West Virginia. They're playing Michigan. They're playing in a good MTE that could end up having multiple five even five tournament teams in it. This is a this is a St. John's team that will be competitive in the Big East from day one. And honestly, that's more than they've gotten in a long time. And right there, nail on the head. If anyone else has anything to add before we go, but I'm I'm good. I've gotten in everything I've wanted to. I'm All right. Um, tomorrow morning at 11, we have Kyle Tucker joining us to talk Kentucky basketball. At 1, it is Maddie Hartley joining us to talk Kansas basketball. And at 3, it is Carter Elliott joining us to talk Michigan State basketball. We will definitely have plenty of others come on throughout the next couple months. Next two months. We're only two months away, guys. Yeah. We're 63 days away from the college. No, 64 days away. Tomorrow, 63. There will be nine more weeks until college basketball starting tomorrow. That is one of the great things that you can hear. I'm so excited for the for the conference previews. I'm so excited for the max season preview. I'm so excited for everything. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow.